welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rulo, and I am so happy to share a recent Positive Change Podcast Award winner with you. He is Matt Jardine, and his winning podcast is titled The Millionaire Buddhist. The podcast won or placed in these categories. Best Host, Business Entrepreneurship, First Place, Lifestyle, First Place, and Self-Help, Third Place. I am so looking forward to sharing him with you. We have so much to talk about here, so I don't want to delay any further. Welcome back to the network, Matt. Pat Rulo, my favorite American in the whole of the whole world and America. It's great to be back here with you. How are you? I'm so good. I just love our online conversations back and forth, and then to be able to actually hear your wonderful voice like this is, is a gift for my day. Oh, I tell you that, you know, you say some nice things to me. I'll take it. I'll take it all day. I'll take it. <laughs> take it. Take it. Before we do go on, though, Pat, I did want to just quickly say, and I'm sure everyone else wants to share this, uh, just a thanks to you, actually, um, for what you've done with the podcast awards, because there's so few, the book award things moving now for authors, but the podcast award is such a great help. And, uh, I'm sure you don't get enough credit and you should. So thank you very, very, very much for all your work. Oh, thank you for saying so. I will take that as well. (laughs) (laughs) Good. Good. Congratulations on winning the Positive Change Podcast Award. I am not a judge, so I have no say-so in any of this. So I kind of hold my breath and hope that things come back the way I would like them to come back. Yeah. I I was, I have to say, I was, I was delighted and, and surprised, to be honest. Because, as you know, the podcast was born for, well, the book came out, didn't it? How to Be a Buddhist Millionaire, which, which, you know, won, uh, won the book award with you guys. And then the podcast, because we were then locked into COVID. Mm -hmm. So I started the podcast just kind of going, well, what shall I do? Well, I'll extend the book. I'll keep interviewing people who are doing what they love, et cetera, et cetera. And then it became a, then it became a thing. Mm -hmm. One season turned into two, into three, into four. And then I saw the podcast awards, so I thought, well, I'll enter it. And then, happy days. And, you know, I love it. You know how I love to chat, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just an excuse for me to chat and record me chatting to other other interesting people. Not that I'm interesting, but they are. Just what you said right there. Not that I'm interesting, they are. I think this is part of your charm, and I want to take this to a little bit of a different direction. You submitted your podcast <laughs> into the best host category. So before I tell you why I and the judges thought you were the best host, I want to hear from you. What does a best host look like and sound like to you? Do, do you know, I have to be honest. When I entered it into the best host, I almost didn't because I felt like a bit awkward. But you know my style is throw yourself into stuff you don't really think you're ready for and hope for the best. So I got over that hole and I just kind of pressed and not honestly not expecting that to come at all that was the biggest surprise and it was wonderful mm-hmm. so so i would i wouldn't necessarily have myself up there as an example of the best host because from my perspective all i do i feel is just allow people to tell their stories in in fact the magic of my podcast is not me it's the amazing guests i mean you've been a guest on the podcast because they are just fascinating so very often, and the podcast is kind of set in that conversational tone. It is structured. I know where it's going, although it doesn't always go where I want it to go. It often goes in better places. 
but then it ends up being just like a conversation between friends, I guess. And then, and then it just, the magic is the guest and the stories that they come up with and the sort of sometimes banter, sometimes insights. So, so I don't know is the answer to your question. Um, I, I would say the best hosts have been my guests, if that mm, makes sense. Yes. I like that. And the reason why I asked you that after the comment you made, because from my own personal experience, as you said, I was a guest on your show a few years back. And at that time, yeah. I did not know anything about you. And I initially wondered why I would be a good guest on your podcast, because I am neither a Buddhist yeah. nor am I a millionaire. So <laughs> I didn't know what to expect from you as a host. But within the yeah. first few words, I found you to be easy, relaxed, but mostly, and I'm not really sure how to explain this, but you have a way of making your point while at the same time not seeming to take yourself as, look at me. You know, maybe modesty and humor kind of rolled into one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it just disarms you. So some of the judges' comments were prepared but never married to a script, humble, mm -hmm. listened with sincere interest, asked probing questions, felt like a friend. And yeah, yeah there you uh, they, they are wonderful things to hear because I, I would like to say, right, yeah, Pat, you know what? I've been, I've been studying this for a long time and I've been working on the prepared and I feel like, a, but honestly, I am just, uh, I press record, right? I genuinely want to hear the stories of the other people. I do prepare because remember my, my background is teaching mm -hmm. and I've never walked into, here's the thing with teaching and I think with public speaking and now with podcasting and with writing actually, all of them. If you have someone who comes to your table for what you have, what you are offering, it is your duty to prepare and care. Mm. Otherwise don't offer them something, right? So with teaching, for example, I can always tell if I walked into a class where the teacher hasn't prepared, they just made it up on the spot. And that irritates me because I never did it as a teacher. And my wife, Sherry, who's like a, an academic teacher, you know, in a school, I, I was a martial arts teacher. Um, she's always thinking, how do we take this class forward? So their needs are first. So I always think if you've got, a, if you've got students or listeners or readers, right, you've got to care. So you need to prepare first. So I do always prepare the stuff. But saying that, once I press record, the, it just kind of takes care of itself, to be honest, because as I said again, the magic is in the guest. And I feel at the end of it, I sometimes forget we're doing a podcast because I'm like, oh, wow, I learned tons about <laughs> how to live the life that you love and make, <laughs> make money doing it. And, and you, you and I are classic examples of that. I've made a load of really, I would say, quite close, not virtual friends, mm -hmm. but sort of, you know, internet, telephone friends, whatever we could describe them as, from just having these chats with people on the podcast. I love it. It's one of my favorite things to do. And that is quite obvious. It, it really, really, truly is. I love prepare and care because, well, that's, that's a lesson for life. Thank you for that. Thank you. You talked about your background in teaching martial arts before we get into your podcast. Maybe give us a little peek into your background because obviously that informs what you, what you do and why. Yeah, so so my my first background was I was a pro tennis player, and I was not that good, which is why you've heard of Roger Federer and not Matt Jardine. <laughs> <laughs> so as I naturally transitioned from tennis towards coaching, and actually, to be honest, I found that maybe my gift, I don't know, but I loved teaching more than competing, and I was much better at it. And that took me into 
coaching. I coached, uh, I coached pro players and I taught all sorts of people from William and Harry and Princess Diana to celebrities to, to poor people, everything. That whole time of me coaching tennis, I got such an insight into different spectrums of life, right? From the highest high to the, to the lowest low. So that was important. But my point there is through my tennis career, I had a martial arts background. My martial arts was my kind of time off. You know what I mean? It was my, I was always training in tennis. So that wasn't, that was my work. So my, my hobby, if you like, my downtime was martial arts. And then I've always believed in this that at the moment I stop loving something, much to the, <laughs> panic of my, my family. But at the moment I stopped loving something, I change. So I was at the kind of heights of tennis coaching, right? And then I woke up one time and I was like, I don't love this anymore. I've been doing this since I was 12 playing and then later, and I was like 22, my, my daughter was just born. And I was like, I don't love this. And I stopped. And then I transitioned to, actually before that, I transitioned to shiatsu, Japanese acupressure, and then um, into teaching martial arts. But common, all the way, all the thread through all of my work has been some sort of teaching, kind of allegory, um, some sort of self-growthy stuff. First, for me, testing it for myself and then presenting it to others to see if it can be uh, rolled forward. Do you know what I mean? I do. I do. So how did the concept of the millionaire Buddhist come to light? How did that happen? Yeah. Well, in uh, 2007, um, I walked Japan's super pilgrimage. It's called the Hachiju Hachi, the 88 Temple Pilgrimage. Uh, and amongst other things, it, 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 it was to prove to myself that time and money are human-made constraints rather than real constraints. Uh, so very quickly, the, the concept was, all right, the universe is as abundant as everyone seems to suggest. Not everyone, but some, some corner seems to suggest that would mean that time and money are self-made limitations. So I decided to do this pilgrimage with no, with no real time and no real money. If I can finish it, and it's just a metaphor, right? The, the pilgrimage is a metaphor for life. Then I can, in some level, I can prove that's the case. Fine. Anyway, spoiler alert, I finished the pilgrimage and I came away with these life lessons, these nine lessons. They're not mine. They're the pilgrimages, but I kind of translated them. And that became my first book called The Hardest Path. Great. Very enlightening. Wow, I feel amazing. Super duper. Whoa, look, I've done it. Well, I got back, of course. Now that starts to wear off because you come back to a world that hasn't done a pilgrimage. And surprise, surprise, the bills are still on the mat. You know, the kids are still screaming. You, you, you've still got the same arguments that you left the house are still there when you wait. Then you use these, these life lessons that I learned in the hardest part, my first book, to do work that you love. Right? Because I'm like, you spend so much time at work. I don't want to do any work that I don't love. But there's, there's a spectrum, isn't there? There's a scale. At one end of the scale, there's the, the kind of archetypal broke creative. Yes, darling, I love what I'm doing, but I haven't earned a penny for two decades. And then at the other end is the kind of the rich banker, you know, who kills puppies for fun, but he's making loads of money and drives a Lamborghini. And my question was to myself, can you come down the middle? Can you do something that you love so much, but also it's fine to have an abundant living? Do you know what I mean? It's, that, that shouldn't be a crime. We shouldn't be ashamed to make great money, not even scratch money, great money doing what we love. So the Buddhist in their book was about that. 
I interviewed people who are doing that sort of stuff, and I, I kind of delved into the psychology. And then the British Millionaire podcast was just me interviewing more and more people. So I was like getting this track record of going, well, it's not just me, and it's not just him, and it's not just her, and it's not just them. There was a kind of a, a tipping point where you think, this is a real thing. There are enough people doing what they love and making money for this to be duplicatable for the average, all of us, public. And so that's where the podcast was born. And the, the quality of the guests and the conversations, they just keep getting better and better. Do, do you know how that works, right? This, this is a Buddhist millionaire principle. This is my principle for business, for partners, for life, and for friends. If with nothing on the table, right, money, gifts, nothing, if I would still sit and have coffee with this person for two hours, A, I can get them on the podcast, and B, I would do business with them, mm -hmm. right? They are my requirements for where I spend my time with people. If there's nothing on the table, would we still hang out and have coffee? Would that be, would that be a blast? And equally, the opposite of that, if there was someone pops, you know, two million on the table and I can't stand them, I'm going to go, you know what, you're going to have to take your money because mm -hmm. I've, <laughs> I've got someone over here who I would rather have coffee with. And that's how the guests come. Yeah. I, often, I often meet them and I go, oh, I just really like this person. And then I, I literally just say to them, you, I, as I did to you, Pat, I send you a text saying, really like your energy, this is what I do, would you like to come on? Mm -hmm. And they say yes or no. And so far, pretty much all of them have said yes. It's a beautiful thing, Matt. Thank you for sharing the, your background. That really gives a good feel of, of who you are and what your podcast is about. So what kind of feedback do you get from listeners? Um, I get messages and texts from people saying, because, of course, we have a real cross-spectrum of guests. So you'll get a load of people saying, wow, I didn't, I didn't know that about this person. You know what I mean? Because, of course, we, uh, sometimes we get quite in-depth. So they get some real good feedback, mm -hmm. and some people just love it for inspiration. Some people love it because at the back end, I usually ask people, okay, what one kind of bite-sized takeaway tip would you give for people who want to, you know, do work that they love that also pays bills? So I get people come back and say, oh, yeah, that tip was really good. Um, and it's just been very, very sort of fav favorable. A lot of people seem to like the conversational tone rather than the sort of the journalistic interview tone, yes. which is perfect because that's how I teach where I'm really poor is if you give me a script if you give me something to talk about that I know and love I could <laughs> as you know I can talk forever but if you give me a script I, I did some auditions once for some films oh, I was awful <laughs> it was the worst it was horrific my daughter was in acting school so occasionally when I took her I'd be sitting in the waiting room and they'd say Matt would you come and like a come an audition fine <laughs> And I was just, Pat, you've never seen anyone on a script so bad, so unnatural, like just like a, you put in a robot would have been more natural. But if you ask me to speak about something I love, mm -hmm. um, I could do it all day. Yep. Well, you are definitely a heart person. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So, Matt, it's easy to see how your podcast helps others. How has your podcast helped? you, whether it's financially, personally, spiritually, how, how has doing this been a benefit to you? That's a, that's, a, that's a great question, Pat, because we're right at a junction now, actually. So firstly, they were just uh, further investigations into 
the actual realities of can are there a lot of people who are are making money doing what they love, right? So firstly, there's enough proof in the bag for you to confidently say to people, listen, don't believe me. I'm just one guy who's doing it. Go and listen to episode two, season three, right? Because this person is very much like you. Or go to episode four, so you know what I mean? So there's enough places I can point to people to show that this works. It's not just a one-off, right? It's not just like a Richard Branson or a Warren Buffett. It's not just one-off. Mm-hmm. Right. So that's useful. So I have the confidence to say, okay, that works. So that's, the, that's for my guess. For me now, and as you, as you know, with Buddhist millionaire, it's constant. I believe your life is determined by the questions you ask of it. So the brain is a problem-solving brain. That's essentially what evolution is, right? With it, the, best, the person who solves problems best moves forward with their genetics, right? So then it's down to with the questions that you ask. Now, I feel, certainly from my own background, sometimes I don't think I ask the bigger question. So in, in business and in work, it's quite nice. So, for example, with the podcast, because we're talking about that, I'm now at a stage where, where before, I, with the podcast, I've made not a penny. Actually, that is not true. I've made £94 in buying me a coffee, uh, uh, what are they called, donations. Mm-hmm. But it hasn't made any money because I never had the question of how do I make this make money. It just wasn't an issue. I thought, well, to fit in with my Buddhist millionaire ideal, Let's see now if actually we can get an income from it. So I've started putting together a sponsorship package. Now, it isn't really about the money because I kind of don't need it to at the moment. But it is about constantly asking the question, can we do what we love and is it okay to make money doing it? Because I think a lot of creatives have a problem with that. I think they really think, oh, I shouldn't be making money. And I think if we can show it's okay to, more and more people will be able to make a living doing what they love. You know, the artist will go, actually, I, I can do what I love and I can pay for my family. And I think that's completely reasonable. So, yes, yeah, so the next step for us is, is uh, to get a little income from it. Not massive, not going to be buying a Lamborghini. I might just be able to buy my croissant for a week, but it'll be that. <laughs> Buy a podcast or a, a cookie or a croissant, right? <laughs> so heck with the coffee. Heck with the coffee. We're going big time now. Oh, my gosh. I, I love what you said. Life is determined by the questions you ask of it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean. Because here's the thing, right? We, we often, when we're honest, right, we think, Actually, I didn't ask for anything better. Mm-hmm. I never sat down and said, you know, these are just examples. I'm not talking about me now. Oh, I'd like a better relationship. Or I'd like my back pain to go. Or I'd, you know, I'm thinking about what I don't want, but I never actually sat down and thought, I would like this to be this. And as, and as problem-solving breath, you wouldn't go into a restaurant and not actually think of what you're going to order. Mm-hmm. So the same with life. So we, I think our life is made better by the better questions that we ask of it. And each new experience allows us to get a new set of context, right? Yes. So, for example, with the podcast winning awards, you go, okay, I've got a little bit of a confidence that maybe we've got something decent here. Mm-hmm. So that sets up a new level of context. And now within that context, I can start to think, maybe I'll ask better questions of it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I think that's true of everything. So if I test that on my life first, and then it's an example, so I can be the guinea pig, then maybe I can then share the information if it works with other people. 
this is a huge conversation because I've also noticed with the uh, Firebird Book Awards where you'll get a very reticent or shy author and, you know, kind of gently submits something, doesn't expect anything, doesn't ask anything of yes. it. And then when it yes. wins, I can watch this person blossom and grow. And then they'll email me for six months later. I just won the blankety blank award. And then I just won this award. And so it's that, uh, it's that, absolutely. it's that first step and the first award just gives them the confidence to move forward. Yes. I have watched this. I've watched it happen. You've seen it. You, 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 I mean, you've done it to me. Your work has done that to me. I, I am a product of exactly that. I could be one of those guys or girls you were talking about. But isn't that interesting, right? And then, and so I think, I think about this a lot. When my son was first playing, uh, rugby, when he was little, they used to go, a, a big ground in, in England uh, is called Twickenham Rugby Ground. It's our sort of national rugby stadium. Anyway, when they're young, they do this minis thing, you know, like, uh, a, bit, a little bit like PV baseball in America. I, I don't know if it's called that, but you know, you know what I mean, right? The little, little people. And um, they play at these big stadiums, and they make a big effort of the parents cheering, and I think life is made in those. If your environment, if you get used to a big environment, you feel fine about playing big. So, for example, uh, uh, book awards and podcast awards are so important, as you yourself seen, because they put someone in a bigger environment and they start to go, I'm pretty decent. Maybe I don't just want to self-publish. Maybe I will go after a book. Nothing against self-publishing, by the way. I'm just talking about leveling up, if, sure. if we're talking levels. Maybe I will go after an agent. Oh, what's the next step? Well, maybe I'll get a book deal. Or maybe I'll get a six-figure book deal. And so what happens is you're constantly changing the game because your environment responds to your questions. Then you succeed. Environment, questions, succeed. Boom, boom, boom. It's like Jacob's Ladder. Yep. It's like up it goes, up it goes. And then our only responsibility, I feel, is then to pay that back. So the person still sitting down there looking up at you going, oh, yeah, but... But, you know, Matt, Pat, whatever, you, there's something different about you. I can now say, trust me. You ask anyone in my sphere of influence how untalented they will tell you I bring nothing special to this game other than keep going. And then, and then you say to those people, listen, when you climb the Jacob's Ladder of Experience, you only have one job. Tell the person below you, bang, and boom, and on it goes. Yep. Like the, you know, the circus hall of mirrors, right? He's repeating, repeating, repeating. And you also talked about that you shouldn't make money. Every now and then I'll get some self-proclaimed book award or podcast award experts like, oh, well, no, if they charge money, um, they're not worth doing business with. Well, you know, I, I turn that question around. I mean, do you make money? Does a doctor make money? Do you go to the grocery store and grab a, an apple and walk out? I mean, everything has has a price. Everyone deserves to make a living, assuming that they're doing good and they're they're putting out a good product or service. So that's something that really um, it needs to be. The needs, money thing is such a big thing yeah. for so many people. It needs so to be talked people. about. It's it's money is for, for many people. I think it's a dirty word, right? Mm -hmm. That people who make money. Now this is the advantage. You know, I told you I worked in tennis, and then I. When I was saying I worked with celebrity and royalty, that wasn't to show off, it's to give you a context. Because I literally, I, this is absolutely true. I would spend some days working with Diana and the boys in the morning at the Harbour Club in Chelsea, very rich part of um, uh, London. 
And then in, uh, that was as a tennis coach. Then as I was developing my martial arts school, little school, I used to teach in school, I'd drive across town to near Twickenham, actually, where I told you the rugby ground was, to this rough school bat. Oh, my word. Rough, rough, rough. Right? The kids were as poor as you can get. You'd take your hands into your life, uh, life into your hands just to get through the doors. So I'd see the poorest of the poor. And I realized there's nothing separating these people. Yes. Maybe the zeros in their bank account. Maybe there's six or seven in one and none in another, right? But nothing else. And you start to think, so then the concept of money is like everything else. That's why I delve so deeply into, into the book. It's, it's an illusion. And the problems that we have with money often, and I'm not dissing anyone's parents or my own, but are handed down to us generationally. Money doesn't grow on trees. Mm -hmm. Just be happy with what you got. No, we can't afford that, right? Mm -hmm. All of those, we, you hear that programming, which again, coming back to what I said about, well, life is only as good as the questions you ask. What if you asked? I want, and I'm happy with asking for fine stuff. And I'm happy to work for it, but I, I, I do want the fine stuff. I want to live in a house that looks exactly like the house that is in my mind. I want to drive a car that's exactly... Now, they don't matter. I'm not suggesting that's the only reason to work, right? But why not? Why not? I would say that to that having a kind of a poor money attitude is as bad as having poor physical health. You wouldn't ask to be ill, but when, when, you, when you're not asking to be abundant, you're kind of asking the same thing. I'm not suggesting people ask for poverty themselves, but I sometimes think, ask better questions of yourself. Here, down here in a moment, in this convenience store, there's a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful guy. He's uh, from Bangladesh, but a lot of, a lot of the uh, kind of convenience store workers are here. And he works like a 14-hour shift now. 14-hour shift. That guy works much, much harder than me. Right? And he's making nothing. Yeah. And I said to him the other day, I said, you have so much gift that you can make more. You just need to start thinking, could I make... It often changes when you ask yourself, can I make more? Can I make... Is it okay to make more? Because other people set out standards. Coming back, questions we ask of ourselves. Once we say, how can I make $500 a month? Oh, actually, how can I make 1000 How can I make 2000 It's okay. Ask questions. And then I think, isn't that our responsibility? We've been given this creative life, wherever you believe it comes from, right? Whatever. I'm not going to get into that here. But we're here. Why would you not play big? Why not? Talking the truth here. Life is determined by the questions you ask of it. I wrote, wrote it down, and, and that's going to um, stick with me, and hopefully everyone who listens will take this bit of advice and ask some big questions of themselves. Yeah. Let's hope for that. It's okay, too. Not, it's not just okay. It's absolutely, positively welcome. Exactly. Don't play big. Your only job is once you've done it and you see it work, Tell the person who hasn't yet worked out they're allowed to play big. Yep. That's your only job. Yep. Just pay it forward. Pull them up the ladder. I'm going to switch back to podcasting and ask you one more question. Any advice for current or potential podcasters? Because you've been through it now for years and kind of evolved with the whole process. I always have new people coming on board. Again, a little hesitant. So any advice from our best host, 
you, you know, you know, my advice on stuff is is get get on with it. There is never a right time to do anything apart from the time that you're doing it. Get on. Don't worry. I, you know, I don't edit my podcast. They're filled with <laughs> every one of my mistakes. Yeah. <laughs> because, and that's on purpose because that is part of it. It's absolutely fine. They don't have to be clean. They don't have to be tidy. They just have to be you. And don't judge where you are, right? You will, there is, you will look back at episode one. And you will cringe. <laughs> so don't look at episode one. Don't, don't do it. You know that each step forward, you're getting better and better and better. You learn by doing and you improve by doing so. Get on with it. Just press record. Yeah, <laughs> always. <laughs> and, 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 and that's, that's actually the other point. Don't forget to press record. Come back a couple of times. Well, you're exactly right. I just I just received a podcast uh, to edit for, from some lovely folks, and uh, it was blank. <laughs> they forgot to press record. Uh, let, let me tell you this one very quickly. So I know we're running short of time, but I, I interviewed um, as I had with you, who's, who's on like real radio, as it were, a massive radio star in, in England, who's now in Amman. And of course, I so called interviewing a proper radio guy. I did that was one of those. I spoke for twenty minutes and went, Robin. Can we do this? Can we put 20 minutes on your call? I forgot to press play. The amount of grief he gave me for the rest of that podcast, quite rightly, it's completely fair enough. He actually killed me for the rest of the podcast. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it happens to everyone, actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right, my friend, as we begin to wrap up, anything we missed that you wanted to highlight today? No, as I say, just to, just to reiterate to you again, thank you for the work that you do. I, I know it's um, you know, quite serious now, but uh, you do a ton of work. And these um, kind of projects for creative, I don't really like that term, but you know what I mean, for for us who put stuff out there, they really make a massive difference, things like podcasts or gives us a chance to move forward. So not only that, but the work and the charity work behind it as well. For for me, that's really important. That's why I would pick one award over another. Um, And, yeah, just want to make sure that you get the the, – credit that's all very well as having our awards and going oh that's that's great thank you thank you super but it wouldn't happen without you so thank you very much pat rulo ah you were so kind you can't help but being a host yeah exactly my ego is too big i just have to take over (laughs) i know i'm a terrible guest because i start asking the leading questions and then i realize whoops (laughs) wrong role exactly wrong side wrong side of the table exactly exactly (laughs) well then how about sharing any contact info where folks can find out more about you and be sure to share with us when you when you get the sponsorship idea up and running too but give us any contact info so the podcast is called the buddhist millionaire podcast it's on anchor spotify apple all of those platforms that we're we're all, all using um have a little look at that have a little listen want to give me some feedback or share it then that's great and also remember if you want me to share your podcast, just tag me and stuff. And I, when I see it, I, I'm not always on social media, but when I see it, I will do as much sharing as possible because I know what it's like to be speaking into an absolute void. So I will do what I can to share it on my platform. So just, just let me know. And, um, yeah, good luck to everyone. Ah, thank you. Yes, you are a good sharer on uh, social media. Yeah, yes, I try. Are. Yeah, me too. Me too. That's all you can do. The Millionaire Buddhist, Matt Jardine, you are on the top of my list. You're my best host and one of my best people in life. I just love having met you and knowing you. And wouldn't it be cool if someday we could meet? Uh, we will. We, where, where are you, actually? What part of America? I am in Ohio. Ohio? I've always wanted to go to Ohio. Oh, yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> 
I hear it on the TV. It's always on Netflix series. There's always a character from Ohio. <laughs> I live in the snow belt. It's always snowing in the winter. We, so if you ever need a little chill, come on over. No, definitely. I tell you, you get a bit tired of the desert. So yes, no, that'll be amazing. <laughs> uh, bless you. Thank you so much. Uh,